You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I am Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He is James Hardigan. Happy birthday, Joe. All right, James, I have a prop bet for you. Okay, what are the stakes? I have three prop bets for you. Well, I was uncertain about one. Three is a no-no because I don't like to bet. No, I have three prop bets I want to tell you about. I don't want to make a prop bet with you. I have three prop bets I want to tell you about because coming up on today's show, it is the prop bets of quarantine. You know them. You love them. We have got the skinny on some of the most interesting prop bets going down during lockdown. I have got a prop bet story of my own that may have been told once or twice, but I'm not sure if ever on this podcast. Uh, One of the three prop bets of others that I would like to tell you about involves one of the unsung heroes of the professional poker world and prop bet enthusiast, high stakes cash pro Melissa Burr will be the guest on today's show to tell her all about uh, her own prop bet that she had recently, as well as some good stories from the high stakes degenerate world. (laughs) Timex has got a cool prop bet in the works. We're going to talk about that later. Max Silver has a prop bet in the works and obviously Melissa just having completed hers. Those are the three I want to tell you about a little bit of fun times to get you through some of the ever living nightmare. That is our ever waking reality right now. Sadly, we are done with EPT Retro. That doesn't mean we are done coming in your eye and ear holes. No, stay tuned for the post-credit sequence like in Marvel to find out what's next for the Scavengers. Well, I can't promise you details on what's coming next, but I can promise you a post-credit sequence. I can promise you an Easter egg after the end credits roll. More on that to come. Uh, Are you looking forward to this week's Superfan Quiz, Joe? Um... I'm not. You know why? Because I fucking hated Bandersnatch. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question in the style of the show. Do you want to talk about this now or later? I want to talk about it now, I think. Okay. Do I have to start over from the beginning now? (laughs) So Bandersnatch was like three and a half hours of my life. No. It, it took so I, I picked every wrong decision every time, lost every flip. Uh, spoilers, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, I real look, I, I don't know how many endings there are, but I only found one that wasn't death or prison. It's Black Mirror. You don't expect a happy ending, do you? So the, the, the ending I think you're supposed to get to is the fight scene, right? I mean, I don't know whether there is a right or a wrong ending. I actually had a very quick journey through it. I think even with it resetting to certain points where I made bad decisions and it gave me an opportunity for a do-over, I don't think the entire experience took more than 80 minutes. I really... The the concept I don't like at all, right? Which is fine. I was willing to get past that. I don't want to work and have to... I want to be told a story. I want to be taken on a journey that doesn't involve me needing to make decisions. However... The execution of it, really well done, right? Yeah. Like, it's very cool. I thought the whole way in which the interactive functionality of the show slash game worked was flawless. Um, yes. And I like that more than I actually like the story 
or the concept of this particular episode. It's the weakest Black Mirror by far. Yes. And so I, I liked oh, the way they executed it. I just hated the fact that it was so meta that not only was it a choose your own adventure book, a choose your own adventure video game, a choose your own adventure episode of TV, but then also the point of it turned out not to be to have a successful game created or to help this man. The point of it was to expose the fact it was so meta that you had to choose fucking Netflix as the choice <laughs> instead of staying within the confines of the story. I hated it. I was so angry and I was like, I, I ended up in prison and then I ended up dead and then I ended up in prison and then I ended up dead. And I was like, Oh, there's gotta be something that isn't those things. And then the ultimate, like the best ending you can get is that you're the actor playing the guy in the episode of Bandersnatch. I fucking hated it. Well, Joe, maybe, as you seem to endure so many of the multiple storylines in this show, maybe you're in a position to win this week's Superfan Quiz. Maybe you can take some solace if that eventuality occurs. That's why I don't want, I'm not looking forward to it because if I sat through all this and I lose, okay. it's like doubling down on the pain. Okay. Um, we know that you're doing a Marvelathon. So have you watched anything that you've actually enjoyed in the last seven days? Yes. I watched Thor Ragnarok for probably the fifth or sixth time. It's and I love film. it every single time. Uh, probably the best standalone Marvel movie for pure entertainment value. Um, and Black Panther, we've attempted now twice and fallen asleep twice during it. It's just not very good. It's so overrated. I say that, look, it's none of the Marvel movies is bad, right? right? At worst, they're incredibly watchable. I definitely put Black Panther in that category. It just it got so much praise, so much attention, and was honored with an Oscar nomination that it should be much better than it actually is. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. But it's just, it's also, seeing it the first time was totally fine. But now it's like just in the way of Infinity War. Yeah. Like we're at the home stretch. I don't really need another one of these kind of throwaway stories that doesn't really play that much into the total universe. So uh, m my girlfriend, it came to light, had never seen any of the Terminator movies, though. Oh, wow. Well, that needs to be corrected. Yeah. So we watched the Terminator. Yep. Which I think is the best of all the movies. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't I don't buy this whole the second one's better than the first. Terminator 2 is an excellent sequel. James Cameron is really good at sequels, but it's not better than the original. You just you 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 have to subtract a few points from it not being original, right? Terminator 2 is not original. The original Terminator is so clever, such a good script. Everything about it, this universe it creates, I really love it. Both excellent movies, right? Like the Terminator is like a 9.5 and Terminator 2 is a 9.0. She liked both of those. We have a couple of bad Terminators to get through. But the point is, I never saw Dark Fate when it was in theaters, even though I, I really wanted I to. So I'm, I'm hopefully we're working our way toward that. Okay, I have to thank you question mark for recommending the danish video game inside which as you mentioned last week joe is is quite a slight story it takes about two hours in real time i played it over yeah. three consecutive nights but it's very good as a platform puzzle solver it's really really good but incredibly creepy and weird and when you play it late at night it can fuck with you somewhat I do like the fact that it's just left unresolved, though. Nothing is explained. From the basic premise to the conclusion, nothing is explained. And I love that about it.
it's chilling. It's emotional. I'm pretty sure I got choked up at various points in that game. And just uh, your own character that you play, when, when he dies, you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we don't even know who that character is. What's he doing? Why is this kid in this place? How did he get here? Has he been here before? Is he trapped? Is he sneaking in? So many questions that go unanswered, and you can bring your own interpretation to it. Uh, if you haven't played it, I strongly recommend it. And I managed to pick it up for five quid uh, in the Xbox store. So we did mention that EPT Retro is done. We had a really fun journey over 13 weeks. It did conclude with the Season 6 Grand Final and did conclude uh, with my eccentric performance of the EPT rap. And that's what I'm going to put at the end of this week's podcast in case you want to miss it on the live stream. That's the Easter egg you're going to get at the end of the show. So, By the way, Spraggy texted me about that. He says, can I just say, I was very ready to cringe at this EPT rap, but the whole thing is amazing. It was great. With you drinking too, class. So rave <laughs> reviews from Spaggy. Spraggy. Tune in at the end of the podcast. Um, so what is next? We've talked about maybe doing one more season of the EPT, and I have asked us the team to look into what we've got in the vault from the APPT and the LAPT circa 2007. Maybe in a few months' time we can do some more streams like this because it's been enormous cool. fun. Yeah, absolutely. Really fun. And, you know, the, the people who have tuned in seem to really like it, too. So I'm into it. So, Joe, you know that literally seconds go into the research of this show. And this particular track from Audio Network is called Beat the Odds. And I feel that that is appropriate for what we're talking about on this week's podcast. Yeah, the only better song would be something called, like, Take the Best of It. Um, you know them. You love them. James, do you have a favorite or a couple of favorite prop bets of all time? I've never been a big one for prop bets, to be honest with you. I mean, I've heard all the stories... I've heard some of the anecdotes of poker players from the past. I've read Amarillo Slim's book, for example. Yeah, so Amarillo's got some good ones. Obviously, we know he's very likely to have been a piece of shit, so we're going to skip over uh, Amarillo. But uh, some of these prop bets that are legendary, I was around for, like Eric Lindgren having to golf like 72 holes or something in one day, uh, the one that's eventually featured in Lucky You. Yes. The bathroom bet was a Huck Seed bet. I was around for that. Uh, there was another one where Huck Seed had to spend, I think, 12 hours in the ocean and quit after like 40 minutes. Some really good stuff. Prop bets, James, I find to be one of the most interesting things. It's one of the things that sort of translates the best to the mainstream also, right? Like mainstream people seem to care way more about these prop bets than about poker most of the time. The prop bet obviously put me on the map. The tan bet you guys have heard about many times throughout uh, my career is that I was just a guy hosting a podcast and a couple of poker players got together and bet me that I would get two, to get two spray tans a day for 10 days straight. All of a sudden, people knew who I was because I was the really tan brown guy. Uh, An oompa loompa with a beard. Yeah, exactly. I had all, you know, the whole thing, I just looked like a total weirdo. Uh, people all of a sudden paid attention to who I was after that. There are some cool prop bets going on 
right now. What we're calling uh, the prop bets of quarantine. Prop bets of quarantine. Now, technically, this first one started before quarantine. It involves Max Silver. And Max was at dinner with a poker player friend. And apparently, he just took dessert, like, straight to the dome, right? Just woofed down this whole dinner. And the friend was kind of laughing at him. They were drinking. And the friend suggested a pull-up bet. And he bet Max that he couldn't get to the point where he could do 20 consecutive pull-ups in one year. Uh, and he could use a chin-up grip, right? So the chin-up yep. grip is the underhand grip, the slightly easier way of doing it. Pull-ups are really, really hard. I doubt most people listening to this podcast could even do one, let alone 20. I can do I can do about 12 if it's my first whatever. You know, if it's like if I'm not tired, whatever. Um, but yes, most people, if, they're, if they don't do them regularly, they are tough to do. So Max... I don't know if you saw, you actually posted a video. I did. I have to say, he is looking buff. He's clearly been working on his fitness really hard in the last few months. Right. And so so this bet was at even odds. He doesn't want to specify what the money was, but enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, he said, though, I followed up with him. And uh, you saw in the video, he's doing up to 16 now. He's got one month left to go. Wow. I think he's going to get there. I think if I think I in think a month can... you can probably get from 16 to 20. I mean, by putting in the work, by putting in the reps, I think you can probably get there. Yes, and when I told what I asked him was this. This is the most interesting thing. I said, "If you lose, will it have been worth it for what it's how it's transformed your life?" Good question. And he said absolutely, yes. He said it was it's more or less a free roll. Uh, to have transformed and you can see how much better max looks and he's got to be feeling great too so really proud of him james how many do you think you could do now one or two i'm 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 absolutely useless at this i've got no no arm strength whatsoever what do you think you could get to if you trained for a year for a year i yeah. could i'd like to think i could get to 20 i'd like to think if I you think so. if if if, if I took uh, that that bet that I could I could get there, but it's going to require some solid work. I'm trying to think what amount of money would be worth it to me that even if I lost, it would be like you know what I just paid five grand, let's say, to get into really good shape. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Uh, the second prop bet also involves physical activity, although not as much life changing betterment i don't think we got timex we got mike mcdonald who is is probably a prop bet legend in his own right i would say yes absolutely uh just in that he seems to always get the best of it now this one is basketball free throws james is a european person you know what that is right is this basically just throwing a ball into a net from the foul line right right it's like the closest line on the court right but it's still not easy to do, and even so, the bet here is that he has to make ninety out of a three out of a hundred in an attempt. Okay. Um. So he gets unlimited attempts. Regulation ball, regulation hoop. He can't jump. I mean, if he does jump, he has to stay behind the line. And apparently, this bet started at even money, but now he's given odds. And he has to the end of 2020 to do it. Now, one of the caveats that these guys think of that I didn't is he has to define when an attempt starts. Right. So he has to say, like, he has unlimited attempts, but he has to say, OK, I'm starting an attempt now. Like this is shot number one. Right. He can't just like 
shoot a hundred and then decide halfway through that that's going to be where his attempt starts. Uh, one of the things that quarantine is actually slowing them down is that uh, he's having a hard time finding access to a regulation hoop, right? A lot of times these only exist in gyms. Ones that are in parks or in your driveway aren't really regulations. So he gets 50 hours on a regulation safe hoop. So he gets to, uh, he gets a little extension because of quarantine. And apparently this is between him and A.E. Jones. I don't know if you remember that name, James. Um, yes. Big Aaron online Jones. player from back in the day. Isn't there something he's got going with Roger Tesker as well? He could. Why? What do you know about this? There was some number they were coming to, 19 or 18, and I can't. Rem- I, I thought that was basketball related. It could be. Now, Mike's taken up bets against everybody. This was just sort of spurred by Aaron Jones, who commented on his free throw shooting form in like a video he posted on Twitter. So Mike's got at least five figures publicly wagered on this, uh, but said he's willing to take up to six figure bets from individuals. Wow. And he has to live stream the winning run. And, uh, you know, this is something that I really like about uh, Timex in this spot. There's no like edge seeking here. There's no, Amarillo slim. Oh, the lake was frozen. So he hit a 700 yard drive across the lake. Um, this is, has to be within the spirit of the bet. And the point of it is to become a better free throw shooter. And last we spoke, he was hitting 73 out of a hundred. I mean, 90%, I think is hard. I mean, Mike's not a short person, but he's not excessively tall. I think this is a big ask. I think 90 out of 100 is going to be hard. I don't like betting against people when they set themselves a challenge because I think people are motivated to try and achieve that. But I can't see him getting there. Here's here's where I think he has the slight edge. Unlimited attempts. Right. And Timex is a complete crazy person when he wants to be. So if he wants to go stand outside of a hoop and do this all day, every day till he gets it done, I think he will. Okay. Uh, I think if it was one attempt a day, I would bet against him. Here's the thing, right? You scale it down and you think like, oh, nine out of 10, that's a lot, but not impossible. 90, just your arms, right? Just the sheer strength. Think about Papa shot in an arcade. You yeah. get tired just from that. Imagine shooting 100 basketballs the full length of the court. I think this one's very close. Yeah. Now we're getting into the more fun, stupid prop bets, which is right up my alley. (laughs) Uh, Matt Savage was involved in a McDonald's prop bet. Oh, no, not food prop bets. Oh, no. Food food prop bets are the worst. Now, my food prop bet story, I don't want to bore you guys if I've told this before. So I'll tell a short version of it. One time, Joe Seabock bet me $1,000 I couldn't eat 12 In-N-Out burgers. I knew there was no chance of that. I said I will attempt six In-N-Out burgers for $500 instead. Even that is impossible. Well, it was not impossible. It was quite possible. But it was the most uncomfortable, the most sick I've ever felt in my entire life. I got down to a half a burger left. And I was in so much pain and so worried about what the repercussions were going to be on my body that I offered him. Sorry, it was a thousand dollars. It was a thousand dollars to eat six. Excuse me. That I offered him a five hundred dollar buyout when I had half a burger left and he took it. And I have never, ever, ever spent five hundred dollars better. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do not regret it at all. They are horrific bets. So Matt Savage challenged this dude named Mike Nori to eat $1,000 worth of McDonald's in 24 hours. Okay, so you've got to know the menu, and you've got to find the most expensive thing on there. Yes. So they finally agreed on 36 hours. They were 36 hours. The dude went out and bought a Hamburglar outfit and figured out the most expensive thing on the McDonald's menu is avocado. Really? Like as a side item, the lowest calorie, most expensive thing. In the end, James, in the end, he ended up in 36 hours eating less than $100 worth of food. I mean... McDonald's is super cheap, right? You can eat a lot of food for $100, and you've only got 36 hours. How on earth can anyone potentially $1,000 worth? Yeah, I would have bet. I happened to miss this one. I was busy at the time. I would have put bet anything I could on him not being able to do it. It is just not physically possible. Apparently, Dan Bilzerian had action, uh, and he and Jay Farber are both still pissed at Mike Nori for not pulling that off. Uh, and finally, finally... We're going to get to hear about a prop bet of quarantine from one of the bettors herself. Yes, very pleased to welcome to the Poker in the Ears podcast, Melissa Burr. Thanks for joining us, Melissa. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for doing this. I've been really enjoying your whole vibe here during quarantine. You've been super honest about some shit that's gone on in your life. You've been super honest uh, about this chicken mcnugget prop bet and that's that's the focus of today's show obviously uh we talked about the free throws we talked about uh some fun stories that matt savage shared i want to get now i don't know if you po- if you posted or not see this is a, a spoiler for me or not a spoiler is that i don't know how your chicken mcnugget prop bet if it ended if you did it if you attempted it so before we get to that just explain to everybody the ins and outs, how this came to be and what the bet actually is. Okay. So a friend of mine and I were, you know, having conversation um, via on Twitter um, about eating. And I basically called him like a weakling for not being able to eat X amount of whatever we were talking about. And he, you know, he, he kind of challenged me. He, he came at me via text and was like, well, if, if you want to, if you can, if you, if you can see if you can eat more than me, then, then you have a bet. And he, he kind of hit the wall at 47 chicken nuggets and he offered to lay me two to one on any money I bet that I couldn't eat 60. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I thought about it and, uh, it kind of morphed into this like huge thing because at one point he was really out of line and said, uh, you know, this was during, this is during quarantine. He had said, you know, it, in a perfect world right now, if I, if you could bring a hundred K to my apartment right now in Philly, I would like, I would produce 200,000 and we would sit here and see if you could eat 600 nuggets. And this was via text. So, you know, while all this is happening, I was kind of just like fun tweeting about it, you know, cause I, it was ridiculous to me cause I knew I could eat a lot. Okay. He was so insistent that I couldn't. <laughs> so I have some some follow-up slash um, questions about your history. Now, I've just got done telling a story about the one food bet that I did in my life and how I am unlikely to ever take a food <laughs> bet ever again as a result. Have you done food bets before or do you just have a big appetite? 
No, I've never done a food bed, but I've also been very public. The fact that I've like really smashed food pretty hard in my life. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm known for a couple different things, but sleeping a lot and eating a lot are two of the biggest ones. So what is the most amount of nuggets you've eaten recreationally? Oh, up until that point, I had only eaten like 35, but knowing I, I knew I could go further than that. So, I mean, 47 seemed like a no brainer, but again, I had never done it. So I was kind of hesitant to bet because he was so insistent about the salt content. He's like, you can't do it. It's impossible, but I had never tried it. So I was like, uh, hmm. so the bet kind of morphed into, uh, so since he, he ate 47, we, we landed on betting. Uh, I laid him five to one that I could eat 47 because I was, I was pretty sure I could do that. You should not be the one giving odds in this, but go on. <laughs> so he, uh, so I laid odds 50, uh, five to one on 47 and, uh, I, so I bet him even money on 60. So, you know, while all these prop bets were going, you know, kind of, this was like generating an interest and I had no idea that people would be interested in, you know, eating chicken nuggets and Veronica, you know, um, angry Polak on Twitter, she approached me because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a streamer. I don't, you know, I don't stream YouTube or whatnot. And she's like, Hey, why don't you do this on my, why don't you do this on my channel and I'll host it? You know, I'll, I'll be like your hype girl. I was like, yeah. what? I was like, who, who, who the fuck wants to watch this? And <laughs> 300 people tuned in. I don't know whether they bet or they just want to see me throw up on YouTube, but like, it was insane. It, you know, I just, I didn't know that people cared that much or if they were just that bored during quarantine. <laughs> I think for some people, it was that McDonald's closed down. Like, McDonald's is closed in the UK, I think, even still, right, James? I believe so. Last time I checked, it was. Like, I, I ordered McDonald's right when lockdown was happening, like, the night before, saying to my girlfriend, like, I don't know how long it'll be before we can get this again. So yeah. I think maybe some people just wanted to see it. So what were the what was the actual amount of money wagered? I, I never disclosed that because okay. I had with several different people at different, at several different prices, but it was, I think I, I went on record and said it was under a hundred thousand. It was less than six figures, but it was more than four. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So you're on stream and your goal is to eat 47 chicken nuggets. Walk us through it. Um, so I, you know, my plan initially was to just eat as many as I could before I realized I was full. And then, um, I, I kind of thought like around the 47 mark and I did some quick math on it that I'd have to eat roughly like one per two minutes. Let's just say how many did you. OK, so how many did you order? And also, what was the time constraint? Um, I had to do it in one hour. I ordered 80 <laughs> because okay. I had a I, ha I, I had a friend there, a little my little friend, and uh, she likes them also. So I had to order enough for her to eat. She would only <laughs> like five or six. Oh, so man. I just went with Can you imagine if you'd lost the bet because your friend had eaten too many of the nuggets? <laughs> She knew she was, you know, she was prepared. She knew, you know, she's, she's six. She's very smart. I was like, Anna. And then, but they, you know, I was around two of my friend's dogs. So I was like, oh, we got to lock the dogs. <laughs> Anna can be, little can be trusted, but the dogs, I don't know. I could lose this bet because <laughs> the dogs took away 20 nuggets and we couldn't run out and get them within the hour. <laughs> okay. So you have an hour to do it. You have 80 nuggets and your plan is to eat as many as you can before your brain physiologically catches up with your stomach. Right. Yes. And, and that worked, that, that strategy proved to be pretty effective um, because I, I got down 40 really fast. Um, and then I was kind of just, then I felt fine. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna relax and have, have dinner now. <laughs> and uh, before I knew it, you know, I was at 60 and I think I had like 11 minutes left and a few people that were within the chat were like, uh, Vanessa Selps being one of them, um, 
uh, David Tuckman, they had suggested like, well, if you eat one more, we'll donate a hundred to the food bank of your choice. And now, now I'm like, cause I had really was vehement that I was not going to eat more than 60 because that would kill any action. And I definitely was not trying to throw up on the stream, but it ended up that, uh, I believe five different people had donated a hundred dollars. Actually, Vanessa tried to give me, pay me a hundred per chicken nugget over 60. And at the end I, I wound up eating 65 and called it a day. And what was the physical outcome of this? Because in my food bet, it was one of the worst days of my life after (laughs) eating that. Uh, Yeah, no, I expect, I guess I was was, was more of expectations. I was expecting the worst and uh, it actually wound up being fine. (laughs) I think that chicken nuggets is probably one of the best things, especially McDonald's. I think there's a lot of air in there. I think that there's not a lot to them. Yeah, um, some people talk strategy and recommended like Chick-fil-A nuggets, but they're like real chicken. I don't know that I could have gotten 60 of those down. Like, you're right about that. Like, the, the it being so processed and whatnot, I think, I, I don't know, I could be totally wrong because I'm not a, you know, I'm not a caloric genius, but I, I think Chick-fil-A would have been more difficult. So I think I, I made the right decision. And what was the, what was the lubrication strategy? Was it water in between bites? Was there barbecue sauce involved? <laughs> Um, I was originally, cause I don't normally dip them in anything, but someone had suggested that the lubricant oh, be, a freak show. <laughs> I know they're like, you're a psycho. But so I eventually got talked into it. I went with sweet and sour, but, um, I would say that I went through literally two sauce packets and that was really just strategy. Uh, I, you know, the sauce was fine, but it helped, um, with them going down and I drank water and I actually drank Coke because someone else said the acidity would help offset the salt. Interesting. I don't know if there's any truth to that at all, but congratulations on uh, on completing that task. Do you have any more? Any more outstanding prop bets or outstanding food bets that I'll be consuming? <laughs> uh, I don't have any food bets currently. I was deathly afraid um, that, you know, my friend was going to challenge me to eat even more. And I thought that would, might be a little challenging, but I have several prop bets laying in the weeds that I need to cash on cash in hopefully soon. What can you tell us about any of those? Uh, sure. So I have, let's see, I have one, I have a bet that Borgata will not be open by July 4th, which was kind of like a, uh, a free roll for me. Cause I'm, I'm happy to pay the bet. Cause I hope Borgata opens. So, uh, there's that one. I have a bet that the world, I had a bet that the world series will not go by July 7th. So that's been canceled. I've technically won that bet. Um, Let's see. I have some notes here. I got to look at my prop bet note. Oh, wow. You came prepared. That's fantastic. Well, when you have so many, you got to keep track. Got to keep records. (laughs) So do you is so what what percentage of your high stakes lifestyle, your professional gambler uh, action is prop bets uh, versus poker? Oh, very little. I mean, these are just these are these are just in good fun. Uh, they're they're mostly amongst common friends who I don't really mind losing to. A few have come in, you know, since I haven't really made any of them that public, and I didn't really realize that people would want to bet some of these things uh, until this whole quarantine situation happened. But um, I would say it's it's a very it's a it's a nominal part of my my living. But it's you know you always try to be on the sharper side of things. <laughs> my experience if someone says they can do something it's generally not good to bet against them right what uh, and what do you have any stories of big prop bet losses things that you uh should hmm. not have bet against not many huge proposition bets i'm pretty diligent when it comes to prop bet i try to be anyway um i don't know if i have the sharp side or not uh of the mcdonald um 
free throw. Uh, I have the, the one that stemmed from him making 19. I have that bet, but we can't find a, it seems that he can't find a court that's going to let him do that. So that's on hiatus. But I mean, most of them are really just in good fun. You know, uh, I bet sports. Uh, probably most of my most degeneracy fails have come in sports. I had the wrong side of the fail Mary in like 2015 or whatever that was in Green Bay that caused a massive implosion. That that session in poker, it was very tilting, <laughs> <laughs> very, very tilting. <laughs> and it wasn't even for a lot of money. It was for like three thousand dollars. I lost way more in poker that day as a result of it. Uh, so, yeah, some of the some of these bets have been ill advised. Probably uh, I've probably just caught, been just bad luck sometimes. But <laughs> they've definitely uh, taken a toll somewhat on the poker career, I would probably guess in a negative so way. The come through so the prop bets are just to kill the time but then what happens is you go and then you play high stakes poker and you tilt off a bunch of money that could happen you know some of these some of the ways you in which you lose can be fairly tilting <laughs> all right well let's focus on borgata and talk poker for a little bit here i am um, i hope this isn't offensive but in reading some of your um stories and some of your history like i've known you for a long time but i don't really pay attention to like what stakes people are playing or where but You've been uh, you've been all over the charts as far as the stakes you've played at. Um, where are things currently? Let's say everything opens back up tomorrow. Where what kinds of games can we typically find you in? Um, so there's a steady, a pretty consistent eighty-one sixty game of Regatta. They call you know it's a yellow chip game because there are uh, yellow chips that are played with twenty dollars chips. That's pretty consistent. Um, and then the next game up, that's like that runs at any kind of frequency or consistency would be 150, 300 or 200, 400 mix. Um, and the, the 8160 games consists of only two games. That would be Omaha and stud eight or better. And, uh, in the 150, 300, 200, 400 mix, you'd find a combination of the draw games and, uh, some of the host games. But uh, barring that after that on a consistent basis, there would have to be a special accommodation for someone who wants to play bigger. You know, historically in the past, we've had players who only want to play stud eight or better. They only want to play draw games that are accommodated. But on a consistent basis, if they were open up and it would take some things to get rolling, but you would see those two games, 8160 and 150, Still, still pretty big. I, I um, assume that like most people that your biggest, most people that we know, at least that your biggest degen days are behind you but you posted a uh, a story on twitter that i was hoping you could tell our audience because i'm not sure everybody follows you about it okay. like a multiple near-death experience while <laughs> leaving the borgata uh yeah <laughs> that was actually you know that wasn't that it was during a blizzard um we had you know we had gambled all night we were all stranded at borgata we like i live in brigantine so they actually in a state of emergency shut down the bridge so like i couldn't go home um so the next day you know everything was kind of closed and um friends of mine were out for, were in town from like uh, the dc area and i was like well you know i live across the bridge they opened the bridge we'll I'll just go back there i had you know i had a pretty decent sized house i had multiple rooms so we we took the, my friend's car um and <laughs> You know, on the way out, you know, after a night of degening and playing like all the pit games and whatnot, we were exhausted. It was like we just decided to drive. We just decided to go then because we had been up all night. And then while we're driving into Brigantine, like this, my friend's face just turns like white. And I, he's like, we have to go back. I'm like, what happened? And he's like not saying words. So I don't know what's going on, you know. So there's snow everywhere. You know, it's ice on the road. If you've ever been to Borgata, coming from Brigantine, it's like a two-way separated 
highway type the situation. The closest I ever came to getting in a car accident in my life was when it was snowing and I had a gig <laughs> at Borgata and I decided I was going to go drive anyway and I tapped the brakes. I saw some cars like half a mile down the road on the Jersey Turnpike, tapped the brakes and I skidded off into oh. a snowbank. So oh, I, I can understand this. So there's like a median strip in d- dividing those, but with the snow cover, snow... It, you know, there was no median. It was just all snow. And he's like, he's doing like 90 down, down this road to try to get back to Borgata. And, uh, I'm still asking him like, what's happening. And, uh, we pull it. He's like, I left the money. And I'm like, what? You know, at that, at that point, everyone that kind of plays, you, you don't like walk around with money. You have a safe deposit box so that, you know, you're not getting robbed in the parking lot. So, you know, he's, he's like, I left the money. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, I was so tilted. I just put the ch- my chips that I was holding and I put them on the nightstand and I, oh. I left them there. I'm like, what? He's like, the maid is about to get an enormous tip. I'm like, what? Is, what, what? Like, are we talking about like a thousand dollars? He's like, I left a hundred thousand in chips <gasps> or something ridiculous, like on the nightstand. And then now it's like 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. He's like, housekeeping's going to go in and, I, and they're going to take it. And they're, just, they're not going to be able to prove that it was mine. And I'm like, oh, my God, why did you put it in the box? He's like, well, we had just lost. So I was just mad. <laughs> So now I, I, I totally understand why he's like freaking out. He just pulls up to Borgata and he just slams on the brake. He jumps out like the car's still running. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be like this is worse than like losing the pit. This is a sheer stupidity. Um, <laughs> and he just he just comes like I, I'm waiting there. He just walks out. He's got the goofiest smile on his face. And I like sighed. I sighed in relief. I was like, oh, OK. He's like, I got it. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that if you asked him, he would remember that day. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was scary for I thought I was gonna die I thought he was gonna lose like a massive amount of money like it was crazy the night but, before we lost a fuck ton of money in the pit like it was just it's shaping up to be a really bad weekend for all of us it, I mean it's 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 crazy obviously it's good that he still has the human ability to care about leaving the hundred grand on the nightstand but at what point in your life do you have to get to before you even consider <laughs> putting a hundred grand on the nightstand? Uh, so, you know, it's funny because like, you know, most of the time you work in chips cause it takes so much time to, you know, when you're buying into these big games, you're buying in for like anywhere between 10 and 50,000, who knows? And you can't just count out 50 K at the cage every single time. So you work in, you know, chips, you work in $5,000 chips. So at the end of the session, you, you know, you could just, I've had tons of times where I just rage slammed whatever was in front of me and just in my purse and went home and I just un- un- unloaded and just find out what the loss was. So, I mean, it becomes, <laughs> it becomes very desensitizing when it's just chips but if you had 100K in cash on the nightstand, you you definitely would not forget it, <laughs> for yeah, sure. No, I certainly wouldn't. I guess sort of that mentality leads to me what I want to talk to you before we get to the stupid game is I know that uh, mental health issues have been uh, have taken your interest lately. I know that you're sort of asking people for their stories. Uh, what's, what's up with all that? What, what is your goal here? So it hasn't been actually publicly released yet, but I'm working with a number of people to uh, – produce a documentary that brings awareness to mental health and specifically how it um, targets high functioning, intelligent individuals such as the poker community. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's based almost primarily on my life. And we're going to have several different testimonials from some high profile players that have been open about mental health issues and how they've been affected. And I think, I just think it's pretty important to realize that it's a prevailing issue within our community and that not a lot of people want to talk about it or 
you know, understand it. And I think the more people, the more awareness you bring to something like that makes it okay for other people to feel these ways and that maybe some other people could, you know, reap the benefits of, you know, getting help for these things because it's, you know, it's really not a stigma. It's, it's something that so many of us deal with. And, and a lot of successful people, if you, you know, you do some research, a lot of people have struggled with this and it's, I know that there is a lot more people out there struggling and I just want them to know that they're not alone. Yeah, I think that's really important. I appreciate that. I think, you know, if you spend enough time in the poker community, you're you're going to see the things that you're talking yeah. about, but they're difficult to approach even if you want to help. Like, who are you? Who are like who are you to say, "Hey, it looks like you might be struggling." So, I think when you put something out there uh, in the public eye like this, it does make other people feel more comfortable and say, "Oh, hey, I do struggle with this. Hey, it's not that embarrassing of a thing to have to talk about." So, I commend you and please let me know if there's something I can do to help amplify or boost uh, either in the production phase or the uh, when it finally comes out, I'm happy to uh, contribute to those sorts of things. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've gotten a ton of support from the community and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to have a really positive impact on all of us and we could use all use a little positivity these days. <laughs> all right, Melissa. Now okay. the moment we've all been waiting for <laughs> this week's stupid game. It's called McNuggets of Wisdom. It is a trivia game based on the Chicken McNugget from McDonald's. All questions wow. involving the Chicken McNugget. Okay, Joe, I have a theory about this quiz. Knowing yeah. your love of McDonald's and your obsession with ordering every single item on the goddamn menu from McDonald's, <laughs> how much actual research was required? How much usage of the internet did you need to compile this quiz? This one's pretty in-depth. Now, I'll say this. I did need the internet to compile it, but if I were given this quiz by me without having to know the answers, I think I'd probably do pretty well. Multiple choice quiz. Just in case, you do have a lifeline. You can Hector a heart again don't, if you need help. I don't know how much help he's going to no, be. I know nothing about McNuggets. I couldn't eat six, let alone 65. So I'm, <laughs> I'm considering me worthless in this equation. By the oh, way, no. I could definitely so, do 20, no problem. Like, without a doubt, 20 goes down like n with ease. I don't know how many after that I could do. Question, Shoot, question I'm number so one. <laughs> You're excited? Here we go. Question so number one. The McNugget was created by Chef Rene Arend, who had previously worked as a chef for the Queen of England, the Duke of New York, the Prince of Tides, or the Dark Knight. I'm going to go with the Queen. The Queen of England is correct. You're on the board. What? You're telling me the Chicken McNugget was created by a chef who worked for the Queen of England? And for Belgian royalty as well. Oh, my God. Does that mean that Chicken McNuggets have the royal seal of approval? <laughs> it's possible. Wow. I bet you'll eat more than six now, James. <laughs> okay. Question number two. Which other McDonald's favorite was created as a way to cope with the chicken shortage caused by the creation of the Chicken McNugget? Was it the Chicken Select, the Double Cheeseburger, the McRib, or the McLobster? I'm gonna go with the McRib. The McRib is correct. I do love the idea that in order to deal with a chicken shortage, McDonald's would also create the Chicken Select. <laughs> So it turns out the McNugget was so popular that every restaurant wanted the McNuggets and they didn't have enough to go around. So they created the McRib so that the um, 
so the rest of the restaurants could still have a new menu item. Wow. Question number three. Chicken meat was not the main ingredient for McDonald's first attempt at a nugget. No shit. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I mean, the original intent behind the McNugget wasn't chicken. What was the original nugget? Was it an onion nugget, a carrot nugget, a potato nugget, or a chicken feathers nugget? Hit me with the choices one more time. Onion, carrots, potato, or chicken feathers? Okay, so not chicken feathers. <laughs> I'm gonna go with potato. Potato is the obvious choice. It was actually an onion oh. nugget was the first no. thing they came up with. Oh, no. <laughs> so you are now one and, excuse me, two and one. Question number four. Which chicken giant teamed up with McDonald's to keep up with their chicken demands? Was it Tyson, Foster, Purdue, or Poultry in Motion? Ah, uh, I... I, 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 I guess I have to say Tyson. Tyson is correct. Yeah. Right. You are very close to perfect here. Oh. Three questions left. Oh, okay. Melissa Burr, how many distinct McNugget shapes are there? They're all the same. Three, four, or everyone is different like snowflakes. So one or none? One, three, or snowflakes? Correct. Today, correct? Like today? Chicken nuggets? Today, yes. Yeah, they're all the same. They're all the same is incorrect. There are four distinct shapes what? of chicken four. nuggets. There's the ball. Oh my gosh, bone. no, you're right. Yeah, there. <laughs> the I'm bone thinking I was or... 65 in my mouth. I wasn't taking note of the shape. <laughs> You'll notice there are different shapes. There's the ball, the bell, the boot, and the bow tie. Huh. I, I, am I being yeah. trolled here? Is this genuine? It is genuine. <laughs> I, I, I know that you'll never find out in person because you won't even go look at them. But yes, they they are. And in my mind, they all have a distinct taste. Oh, oh well, you know, they used to have dark meat and white meat. They were very different a while back. Now they I, taste all kind of the same. I like the gray meat ones the best, for sure. Question number six. Which of the following is not a discontinued McNugget sauce. Is it Zeshwan, Zesty Italian, Hot Mustard, or Onion Teriyaki? Oh my gosh, I, I, I think I only, I think I'm only sure of like two of them actually being the flavor. Um, Which ones can you eliminate? I can eliminate honey mustard or the hot mustard. And Correct. I think the Zeshwan one is definitely one. Correct. Um, I'll go with the, the Italian one as my answer. Final answer. Zesty Italian is, in fact, a discontinued McNugget sauce. Onion teriyaki was one that I made up. <laughs> okay. Onion teriyaki. Oh. I think okay. you're what? Melissa's well, what? Four and two? Four, four no, two. I, think, I think it's three and three. I think it comes down to the final question. All right. Here we go. Final question. This one regarding something that most poker players are at least reasonable at, math. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, let's go. <laughs> the double bacon smokehouse burger 
contains 1,130 calories. How many McNuggets would it take to equal that calorically? Is it 10, 25, 35, or 40? How much is the how much is the uh, double smokehouse? One thousand one hundred thirty. Eleven hundred and thirty. That's correct. And what were my choices again? Ten, twenty-five, thirty-five, forty. Oh, twenty-five. Twenty-five is correct, Melissa Burr. You know your McNuggets. Wow. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five. Wow. Um, unfortunately, we managed to record this interview and play this game at a time when I am ridiculously hungry. So right now, I could actually. <laughs> slaughter a plate of chicken mcnuggets um this was enormous fun melissa thank you so much for talking to us today thank you for having me this is very much this is this was a good time one of them loves the ept knows it inside out and would do anything for the european poker tour the other one is joe stapleton it's superfan versus stapes Superfan time on Poker in the Airs. Please welcome to the podcast from the UK, Chris Stringer. Hello, Chris. All right, boys. How we doing? Um, What's up, Chris? Joe's not happy with you, Chris, because he hated Bandersnatch. Oh, what? <laughs> I feel like I feel like my life got snatched. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd love it, to be honest. Chris, which, first of all, I have a love-hate relationship with Black Mirror because Black Mirror is incredibly well done, incredibly entertaining, incredibly watchable. It makes me feel incredibly bad whenever I watch it. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, which which ending did you decide was enough for you? Which endings did you get? Spoilers. Um, uh, which one did I get to? Uh, when I first did it, I worked out that he had to actually kill his dad to actually make a decent game, which was a bit far. Um, and I went back a few times and uh, just couldn't figure out a, a better way of him making a decent game. Every time he did the right decision, he made a terrible game. So, um, yeah, I tried it a few times, but every time it just went down the psychotic route. And that is what I hated about it. I refused to kill his dad. His dad didn't do anything wrong. His dad was like kind of a dick. It, uh, yeah, yeah, his dad was lovely. So I think that's what really did it for me. Well, I'm glad that there is a good ending. And I'm glad that, like, the best ending I got is the one where he realizes, well, when everyone else realizes it's a TV show. And then he fights his therapist. <laughs> yeah. And there's, uh, there's two options. Um, to fight uh, it does yeah or fuck yeah <laughs> yeah and they both do the same thing it's funny but then when the credits roll after that I'm like fuck you <laughs> Joe was legitimately angry at this game he's not angry at you though Chris tell us about yourself what's your story um, yeah I'm from uh, Crasta in Northumberland which is a um, little fishing village um, moved about since then around the county uh, living in Belford now and um, I work in an accountant as a tax assistant. Well, I'll have you know, there was an accountant by the name of Chris Moneymaker who went on to win the 2003 World Series of Poker. And as far as I'm concerned, Chris, that means you are destined to win a major poker event at some point. I'm sure you're right, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we're going to give you the chance to win some T-Dollars and some Poker in the Ears merch. I've got a... How many questions are there here? There are 12 questions. And the first round is called Who Plays? And it's a familiar round where you have to identify certain cast members from Bandersnatch. Name one fucking person in this. Unlucky, Joe. Uh, Chris gets to go first. No multiple choice options. You either know it or you don't. But don't worry. You'll still get the bonus question, even if you get the main question wrong. So you can have one, two, three, or four, Chris. Uh, I'll go number four. Okay. Who plays Colin Rittman? Uh... Will Poulter. It is Will Poulter for a point, and you get the bonus question, which is, Will played an awkward teenager in which 2013 comedy co-starring Jennifer Aniston? Uh, we are the Millers. Correct, for a bonus point. And you have a 2-0 lead. Joe, is he English or American? He's English. One, two, or three, Joe? It doesn't fucking matter. One. <laughs> Who plays our hero, Stefan Butler? David Brownleaf. His name is Fionn Whitehead. But remember, Joe, you still get the bonus question, even you, though you got the main question wrong. Stefan played Tommy in which recent war movie? 1917. No, it was Dunkirk. Chris, you can have two or three. Uh, two, please. Who plays his dad? Peter Butler. Craig Parkinson. Correct for a point. Your bonus question. Peter played corrupt police officer Dot Cotton in which BBC drama series? Uh, Line of Duty. For the bonus points, you have a 4-0 lead. Joe, you get question three. Who plays Mohan Thacker? Uh, um, hold on. Uh, Mohan Thacker. No, Mohan Thacker is played by Asim Chowdhury. I think you'll get the bonus question. Asim stars in the safety information videos for which airline? <laughs> no idea. Well, think about <laughs> it. If you think I'm going to get it. He's a British comedian. British Airways. Oh, Jesus Christ. You can't lead a horse to water, dot, dot, dot. We get to the trivia round. Chris, you have a 4-1 lead, by the way. There are eight trivia questions. There are multiple choice options. And in true Bandersnatch fashion, the multiple choice options is an either or. So everything's a coin flip. Uh, two points if you don't need the options. One point if you have to take the choices. Please give me a number between one and eight. Uh, it's always coming seven. Complete this quotation from Dr. Haynes. The past is immutable, Stefan. No matter how painful it is. Oh, I'm going to need the choices. Is it? We can't change things or we can't choose differently. Uh, we'll go with the first one. Correct for a point. We can't change things. Uh, Joe, any number other than seven? Six, please. Question number six. Which two Black Mirror episodes are referenced as the names of video games? I guess I can only I can only remember one right now, so I'll take the choices. Is it White Bear and Archangel, or Metalhead and Nosedive? Metalhead and Nosedive. Correct for a point. And Chris, 
everything bar six and seven still available. Hey, I'm going number one. Who is the author of the book Bandersnatch? Jerome F. Davies. Correct for two points. Joe, two, three, four, five, or eight. Why couldn't I get that one? Fuck, two. What is the name of the demon in Bandersnatch? Pax or Dax? Pax. Pax for a point. Three, four, five, or eight, Chris? Uh, eight, please. When Charlie Brooker was asked how many endings there are in Bandersnatch, how did he respond? I've got no idea. Did he say all of them or fuck knows? Uh, fuck knows. No, his response was all of them, whatever okay. that means. Uh, Joe, you just get back in this thing. Three, four, or five? Three, please. What is the name of the computer game company? Is it Tuckersoft or Technosoft? Fuck! <laughs> How is it that I came up with the, the the wrong answer? I have to go with Technosoft. It's Tuckersoft. God damn it! How did I do that? I have no idea. I'd love to tell you that I played an audible there, but that's exactly the fake name I came up with as well. What the fuck? How am I that unlucky? Four or five, Chris. <laughs> It's, it's almost like you've been here before, Joe. <laughs> uh, what we'll go for? Which two cereals are you asked to choose between? This one I know. This, yeah, uh, Sugar Puffs and Frosties. Correct for two points. And Joe, you get question five. Which 80s band can you listen to instead of the Now 2 album? The Thompson Twins. Correct for two points. You end up scoring five, Joe. Well done. But Chris... Nine points. That is a winning score. You have succeeded in this game of Superfan versus Stapes. And now Joe is really pissed off because he spent three hours watching various different iterations of Bandersnatch and still lost by a significant <laughs> margin. Uh, but crucially, Chris, you get the T-Dollars. You get the Poker in the Ears t-shirt. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Cheers, boys. Um, you should try again, Joe. Uh, thank, Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Get off. Get off my show. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Um, Bye, I'm, Chris. I'm gonna do what uh, a previous listener uh, did um, a couple of podcasts ago. Unfortunately, his his uh, recording got wiped. I'm I'm just gonna donate it. That's very kind awesome. of you, Chris. Thank you very much indeed. In the meantime, we'll make sure you get your T-shirt. But thanks for that generous gesture, and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, boys. Cheers. Keep up the good work. Coming up on next week's show, it is our season finale. We will aim to tell you what's going to be going on during the summer months while this podcast is on hiatus. Yeah, we can't go into detail right now, but we should be in a position to talk about something pretty, pretty exciting in seven days' time. Excellent. Plus, we are going out on a high with our super fan subject, one of the best movies of the decade. I would say, of the last decade. Edge of Tomorrow, a big, big, uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, probably of all time, masterpiece of a movie we will be discussing and uh, doing a little trivia next time around. Until then, guys, please 
comment, like, subscribe, and the rest of it. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. As I set forth on this journey, may the gods of this game continue to bless me with the gifts of good fortune. I ask that you grant me the power to hold my ego at bay in the face of adversity, the strength to choose patience over greed, and a trustworthy gut that knows when to lay down and when to fight. Once that decision's made, I leave my fate in your hands. I have faith that you'll be there to guide me along this ride on the river. Check, check. Raise hell. Bet call those angels. Better know that range well. So we meet again, EPT Season 10, Barcelona first stop. Back in the home of the first flop, when Stevich would get in the record book out of the gate. Original champion, not far behind him, star rising, currently king of the cash-in, Luca Pagano. Huge bucks, Broncos, still no title yet, never know he might be next. Antonius a day late by the time he got in, started at the bottom, finish on the top in Baden. I'm thinking Johnny Lodden's riding right there on the brink of his first EPT win, but what does Lodden think? IV widely regarded as the greatest on the scene. Still no number one, but number two in season three. At Chip's End by Big Ben, the big story was victory for Vic Corrin at Victoria. Season four, we saw two new cities on the tour. Expanded that casino, PCA in San Remo. Elkie earned a new moniker by the quick way those chips came. Mr. PCA leading the way, and hey, a new nickname. First time in San Remo, victory would go to Jay Mercy. First time on the live circuit, worthy of that first seed. Got it again in a year, way to begin a career. The only difference here, the original high roller title holder, come on. In Germany, McDonald only 18 years old. Maybe grinning silver, but that baby's winning gold. Nearly got that win again in Dortmund season five. Path blocked by a black mamba, only she survived. Season six, make a living with the chips. 1,240, fell short except Bory. Super high rollers need 100K to play. Kachalov would go snatch it all in the first at PCA. Monte Carlo season nine grand final. Searching for that first win was Lodden and Negranu. Mercia and Cody hoping to pioneer a title pair. Smoke finally cleared only O'Dwyer in that chair. So the jinx lives on even after nine years. We've never seen a double. Gotta say, that's kind of weird. Matter of time indeed, it might be seen in season 10. Sit back, enjoy the ride as that new season begins. Absolute debacle. I'm fuming.